Verse 14. Mark 1. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, or came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, or the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Then they came into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? <clears throat> Actually, he did. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And he immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Jesus came, we're told in verse 14, when John was put into prison. John was the forerunner, prepared the way for the Lord. John then fulfilled his course, fulfilled his ministry, did his duty in preparing the way. And now it was the Lord's time. Jesus came. He came as a teacher. He came as an example. And he came as a minister and a mediator. Um, As Hannah shared earlier during worship, Jesus came to die for our sins. That is to say he came to propitiate for us. But he came also to educate us and to demonstrate for us the life that is pleasing to God. As a teacher, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God. As an example, he showed men how to live by calling them into fellowship with himself and sharing his ministry with them. And as a minister, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, and he took the sins of his people upon himself. So today I'd like to look briefly at Jesus as a teacher and as... um, our example. First, Jesus as a teacher, which is, which is really the call into the kingdom. Notice here, uh, we're told that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel, as you know, you've heard many times, if you've been a Christian any length of time, The gospel means glad tidings of joy, good news, awesome news, right? Uh, As we would say today, the gospel would be trending, right? And the gospel should be trending because it is is great news. It's the great news of God's love for 
fallen, broken human race. It's, it's good news of that Jesus truly is the Christ, the Messiah, the sent one of God, the anointed one, the son of God, as even the demons recognized, and that he came to teach us, to fellowship with us, and to die for us. The gospel is good news because it is a message of grace, a message of grace. The, the message of religion is not a gospel because it's not good news. The, the message of ritualism, law-keeping, um, observing, trying, that is not the gospel. The gospel is that God freely of his own grace provides for us a means by which we may be restored to him. And it's all freely given to us in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but there must be a response to that good news. And that response is summed up in two words, repent and believe. Now, in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all say the same thing that when Jesus came, he came and he said, repent. And here it says he said, repent and believe. We often do not hear of repentance in the church anymore. It's not talked about much. When we give the gospel, we rarely even talk about sin anymore. We talk about mistakes. We talk about God fixing your broken life. But we avoid words like sin, judgment, damnation, hell, and things of that nature. And words like repent. It's becoming foreign to our vocabulary. Yet it is a, a frequent it's a word that is frequently on the lips of Jesus in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation when he addresses his church after his resurrection and ascension. So what does it mean? Uh, or or should, let me say this. Mark here says Jesus came preaching the Gospel and saying to men, repent and believe in the Gospel. These two words kind of sum up what Jesus was doing uh, what Jesus was saying in his message. Of course, if you read the Gospels, Jesus taught about a whole bunch of things, right? But fundamentally, this sums up, sums up the message because if we don't repent and believe, everything he said is irrelevant to us. When, when Jesus calls us to repent, he's saying to change. The, the word literally means to change afterwards. In other words, so let's say you, you take a particular course of action, then you think about it, or you make a decision, and then later you think, you know, I'm not sure that was really the right decision. And then you change your mind and you change your decision. That would be repentance. Because you think about something after, it literally means afterthought, or as, as one, one author said, to be after wise, to be wise after as you think about something afterwards. And so you, then you change your course. It means to change the mind, literally, but it implies a change of heart, a change of affection, and hence a change of direction in the way that we are living. <clears throat> um, the, uh, you know, if you're, let's say you're, you're driving down the road and you're going east on, on the highway, and then you look at your, your, Phone, because you're doing your, your phone map, right? And you think, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be going west, and I'm going east. Which way is, is that east? east? Thank you. 
I have a pilot and a cop. I guess I'm right. <laughs> I'm going east. Then, I re- then, I, then I'm informed by Google, which is the god of maps, right? <laughs> so Goggle says, repent. You're going east. Goggle says, repent. Go west. Go west, young man. Remember that line? Okay. So I'm going east, and then God sa- Goggle says, go west. You're going the wrong way. Go west. I say, okay. And so I slow down. but I keep on going east. Did I repent? Okay, so I'm going east on the highway, and Gago says, you're going the wrong way. Go west. And so then I speed up. (laughs) But I'm still going east. Did I repent? Okay. Let's say I'm going east on the highway, and Gago says, repent, go west. And I pull over, and I get in a different car, and then I go east. Did I repent? So Goggle, I'm going down the highway, going east, and Goggle says, repent, go west. And I change my clothes in the car, and I keep on going east. Did I repent? Okay, how many times do you want me to do this? I'm going east. Repent, go west. I changed the radio station. Did I repent? Did I go east? Did I go west? No, I didn't repent. Here's repentance. I'm going east, and God says, turn around, and then I go west. That's repentance. (laughs) Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. You got it? You got it? Wrong direction. Repent. Right direction. Come on, where's the sound effects? That's what repentance means. Repentance doesn't mean slowing down. It doesn't mean you sin less. Repentance doesn't mean you keep on doing the same thing, but instead of doing it every day, you do it once a month. That's not repentance. Repentance means that whatever you were doing, stop doing that and now do something different. Repentance means, therefore, that when someone repents, there is a noticeable difference in their life. Because you can tell if you're going east or you're going west. So Jesus says to men and women and children and all those of reason, I'm offering you the gospel, the glad tidings of joy. The king has come. Receive the king. The king will save you. Hosanna, right? Oh, save, king, save. He will save. But if, but he says, therefore, repent. Stop going this way. Stop thinking this way. Stop feeling this way and turn around and come this way. And the this way, the right way, the turnaround is not just a turning away from sin. That's true. O- away from error, away from darkness, away from falsehood. But it is a turning around toward God. It is coming to Him. That's why we see this phrase in Scripture where Paul says that his commission was to preach Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not enough to just... Repentance is, is, oh, I just need to clean up my act. Repentance is, I am... My heart and my mind are turning away from this and toward something positive. 
I think one of the reasons repentance has has uh, fallen out of favor, if you will, is because it it is so often discussed in the purely negative terms. But it is a positive thing. Listen, if you're going down the highway east and there's there's a massive accident ahead and you need to be somewhere, you want to know, you want to be warned so you can get off the highway and go a different direction, right? That's a good thing. If you're going the wrong way, then you want to turn around. So the but the reason repentance offends human sensibilities is because the whole the whole assumption of the concept is we're going the wrong way. And so man apart from God's revelation goes the wrong way. Apart from God's spirit we go the wrong way. It's called the fall. It's called depravity. It's called human corruption. It's called sin. Call it whatever you will. That by nature, apart from God and His work, we go the wrong way. By the way, that's all depravity means. It's based on a Latin word, which means we're bent. We're bent. You ever have vertigo? I know, Melinda has. You ever have it? It's, it's a weird thing, because you'll be like... Like, I can see that, but I'm, I'm doing this, right? One of the cool things about the iPhone, since we, I have one, <laughs> is the, uh, what, is called, is that a, what do they call the thing inside, the gyroscope thing? Whatever, I don't know, the big word, whatever, yeah. <laughs> that it can do all the, the direction stuff, you know? It's amazing. Well, we have one of those in our soul. The problem is ours is not calibrated right. And so we keep on going this way, and we're thinking that it's we're going true north, but in fact we're going dead south. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. You, you'd never go the wrong way on purpose, do you? It's like, I'm going to go downtown, so I'm going to get on 70 and go west. No. Wherever, wherever you're going, whichever way you're walking, you're assuming it's the right way. Of course, or you wouldn't be walking the way. The problem is, our techno thing inside, whatever it's called, is not calibrated right. And when a compass, when... The needles, our needles pointing north, in fact, we're not going in that direction. And that's why we're called to repentance. Um, and you say repentance of what? Everything that's wrong. How's that? Everything. Wrong thoughts, wrong feelings, wrong doctrines, wrong religion, wrong actions. Everything that's wrong. Because we are to be made new in Jesus Christ. The <clears throat> what repentance is, it's really the hand, it's like your hand letting go of the old. You know what I'm saying? You're letting go of the old. You're not holding on to the old. I don't have anything good to illustrate sin. I don't want to use my Bible for that, you know what I mean? 
So I've got sin in my hand. And I'm called to repent and believe in Jesus. But I need to take Jesus. But I can't because I can't grab Jesus because I got something in my hand. And so I need to let go of the old. The old way of thinking. The old way of thinking that, that salvation was by my works. The old way of thinking that the path to God was my religion. The old way of thinking that I'm good enough to save myself. The old way of thinking um, the many, 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 many false thoughts we have of God. I must let go of the, the falsehood and the ignorance and the sin. Then I let go and then I grasp by faith Christ and his gospel. You see? And really, that's all that faith is. It's a, it's a grasping. It's an embracing. It's a taking hold of. It's a relying upon. Uh, one Hebrew word is rolling upon. It includes intellectual assent, but it is always more than that. Because it has an element of the will. I remember very clearly when I became a Christian, and, and unfortunately some of you don't have that dramatic kind of thing. But for me it was very clear. And I remember when I, I was actually at a Bible study, and I went outside after the Bible study, was sitting outside pondering the things of God. And I was looking up at the, the beautiful night sky. And I remember saying to God, it's like, God, uh, I'm convinced. I, 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 I was finally convinced. But I knew that that wasn't enough. I knew that I had to do more than be intellectually convinced. And I knew that there was an element of, when I say I knew, I knew intuitively. And I knew it wasn't enough to say, okay, God, your word's true. The gospel's true. I had to surrender to it. In other words, I had to say, okay, because it's true, therefore. Are you hearing me? Therefore. If the gospel's true, therefore, I have to live differently. And if I don't live differently, although I may be assenting that the gospel is true, I knew, even then, that it was a lie. I knew that was wrong. Because if the claims of the gospel are true, if Jesus was and is what the scripture says, there is no way that we can believe in him and live like the old man. There is no way. If Jesus is truly the Savior that the Scripture claims that he is, if salvation is the the kind of gift which totally revolutionizes and renovates 
the entire nature of the person and then ultimately society and the whole world, if that is the gospel, then we will be different. It must be. I'm saying it must be logically. I'm not saying it must be morally. I'm saying it's just a matter of fact. It will be that. It has to be that. And this is why it's important that we not lose sight of repentance in our message because as we often exhort people to believe and we often say salvation is by grace through faith and that's true. We say it's by grace alone, by faith alone, and Christ alone and that's true. We must, we must always be careful that we're not preaching what's called easy believism. Any amens to that? Easy believism simply means you can make the profession, but there's no transformation. You can claim Christ, but not live for Christ. That is not the gospel message. Because if if you're not changed by the gospel, then it's not good news to you. The good news is, I got changed. The good news was I was a slave to sin and I got delivered. That's good news. I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's good news. I was blind, but now I see. That's good news. I don't know about you, but I suspect when Lazarus came out of the grave, he didn't go home and just watch TV all day. I bet he told some people, guess what happened to me? Jesus took me out of the grave. Amen? And as we go through Mark, we'll see that over and over and over, that when Jesus touched people and he healed people, they they, they were just telling everybody. In some cases, Jesus said, don't do that. Because once you start telling them, I'm going to get run out of town. So be quiet. Hold on. So Jesus comes as a teacher and he presents the gospel and he tells us to repent and then to embrace the gospel. That is the content of the message very simply. Of course, as we go through the gospels, we see that this this gospel is a big thing. Amen? And it, it touches and permeates every area of life. It is truly like leaven, which grows and touches every part of the loaf. Secondly, the urgency of the message. Notice here in Mark 1, verse uh, 15, it says, well, we'll read 14 15 again. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, think it over and call me later. (laughs) Jesus came and he said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, there is an urgency in the message of Jesus. And what he's saying is, now is the time to repent and believe. As Jesus said elsewhere in, in Matthew, he said to seek first the kingdom of God. There is an urgency 
to his message. Look at uh, Luke 9, quickly, if you want to turn there. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is preaching to the multitudes. And in verse 57, it says that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, um, Jesus is just, is just um, journeying here, it says. And he wasn't even giving necessarily a specific invitation. So this guy just volunteers the fact, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then, he, In other words, he's saying, okay, that's really a statement to say, okay, we'll count the cost here because you need to understand if you're going to follow me, you're not going to have a place to lay your head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus saying, okay, well, you want to follow me? Then I have to be first. That's what he's saying. They were saying, I'll follow you, but I want to do it on my, my timetable. When it's going to work out for me, I'm going to take care of this first, and I want to take care of that first, and I want to do this first, and I want to take care of that first, and, and then I'll get around to following you, Jesus. But I love you, Jesus, and I want to serve you, Jesus, and I want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said, nope, that's not how it works. When I call you to follow me, I'm expecting you to respond now. When I invite, when I give an invitation to repent and believe, I'm, I'm expecting you to respond now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look what Paul says, same thing. He says in 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now he's, he's talking to Christians. He's writing to a Christian church. It was a Christian church that had immorality problems, had doctrinal problems, had factions. So he's pleading with them to be reconciled to God. For he, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin, sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with God, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He says that because he was concerned, based upon how they, some of them were living, the immorality, the factions, the, the heresy, and things of this nature, that uh, they did, had actually received God's grace, but in vain. For he says, verse 2, 6-2, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the same urgency that we see in Jesus when he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, the, 
the moment and the time that the kingdom is at hand for you is when the message is presented to you. Because then you are invited to enter in to the kingdom. Jesus said that a man must be born again of God's spirit to see the kingdom of God or to enter the kingdom of God. And those who repent and believe truly are born of God's spirit and then they enter that kingdom. The kingdom of God is is both present and future. It is both spiritual and material. Hence, it is present now. And when Jesus says it's at hand, I can equally say to us, the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning it is present and we can walk in it. It can be our spiritual realm of experience. But we must repent and believe. And the time to do that is not tomorrow. The time to do that is today. When Jesus calls us into the kingdom, it is both an invitation and a command. It's an invitation because the kingdom blessings are all of grace. They are undeserved. He did not have to invite us. Let me tell you something, friends. I know I'm not a very good preacher. But the fact that you are here today is a mercy of God. Because once more, you're going to hear an invitation to come into the kingdom. Once more. Those invitations may not be extended to you. There is no obligation on God's part to continue to invite people into his kingdom after they have repeatedly rejected his invitations. Jesus tells a story in Luke 14, we won't read it because of time, about a man who had a great feast and he invited people to come. And one by one they began to make excuse. First this, first that. Property, marriage, family. And they didn't come. And then Jesus says, and the master of the house was angry. I don't know about you. I don't like being rejected. And Jesus doesn't like it any more than I do or you do. And it is a provocation to him to repeatedly hear the gospel, to repeatedly be invited into the kingdom, and then to not respond. And one of the greatest sins committed is that of procrastination. We all intend to get to it someday, but just not this day. Someday I'll deal with that sin in my life, but not this day. Someday I'll repent, but not this day. Someday I'll really surrender, but not this day. And so we procrastinate. And as Bonhoeffer said, inaction is action. Indecision is a decision. And to say I will decide later is to decide no. The invitation into the kingdom is a command because the one who issues the invitation is the king himself. And when kings give invitations, there's an implied obligation. And thus we are told that Jesus taught with authority. He did not quibble and argue. 
like the scribes and Pharisees. He didn't engage in silly theological debate. He did not philosophize and speculate. He did not entertain. Jesus spoke clearly and authoritatively because he knew the truth and he wasn't afraid of men. We know the truth, but sometimes we're afraid of men. Thus, we do not speak it clearly. Jesus knew the truth, but he was courageous and he had no fear. And that's what gave his his teaching and preaching this note of authority. Not only was it backed up by his deeds, but it was spoken clearly, emphatically, and to the heart. To the heart. Last thing I want to say about the prior the, the, Jesus uh, preaching or teaching is that it was a priority to him. In Mark one thirty eight. After he had done the miracle in the synagogue, then he healed uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, then he'd done other, some other healing. His fame was spreading. Crowds were coming. They were, they were pressing in. People were literally freaking out. Okay, do you understand? Okay. I mean, more than a, a, a Justin Bieber concert. All the little girls want to touch, touch his... Touch the hem of his garment. That's well, true. Jesus was the rock star. So much so that they're, they're pressing in, the concern he was going to get killed from being crushed. Verse 36, it says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Now Jesus went, to, okay, he had gone off to pray. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. He could have stayed. He could have worked many more miracles. He could have healed many more people at that time in that place. But he chose not to because he had a calling to continue to preach. And that tells you that preaching was a prime uh, ministry of his and that it it took priority with him. It was important. He, as a matter of fact, Jesus only said that he came for a few purposes. One was to seek and to save that which was lost. Two was to give his life a ransom for many. And three was to preach. Why is that so important to Jesus? It's because through the message of the gospel, that is, when men and women truly repent and believe the gospel, then they enter the kingdom and inherit eternal life. If Jesus had simply gone around doing miracles and there had been no content to his preaching of the gospel, then people would not, they would not know. The gospel isn't just the work. It's not just the example, although that's important. The gospel actually has content. It means something. And so it was important that the gospel was spread abroad because, as Paul says, how will they believe without a preacher, right? How can people repent if they're not told what what is the wrong way and what is the right way? How can they believe if they are not instructed about what to believe or whom to believe in? So Jesus said that preaching was a priority to him. I have a whole lot more to say, but I think our time's up. Let me just... um, conclude 
by saying this. The question for each of us is, firstly, have we repented and believed the gospel? Have we? Not just have we believed the gospel, but have we repented and believed the gospel? Am I living the way I used to live, but just changing what I say? That's not repentance. Do I profess Christ, but live no differently than those who do not know him? Then that's probably not repentance. Because repentance is a change. I don't know about you, but I appreciate the invitation to repent. It's a good thing. Because if I'm going the wrong way, and if the way I'm headed is, is the path of pain, the path of suffering, the path of disappointment, if that's where I'm heading, I want to be told that's the wrong way. Repentance is not a negative message. It is a glorious opportunity to get on the right path. A glorious opportunity. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. It says that every day, his mercies are renewed. Every day we get another chance, if we're going the wrong way, to get on the right path. By simple repentance and faith. Acknowledging that's the wrong way. God, I'm going to believe your word. I'm not going to walk according to what I see. I'm not going to walk according to human wisdom. I'm going to walk according to divine wisdom. I'm going to walk in your way. That's repentance. And that is a blessing. And that is a mercy. That every day we have that opportunity. If we're going in the wrong way in any area of our life, that we can change the direction we're going in. Isn't God good? And if we repent and believe, he continues to receive us. He continues to receive us because he is so gracious. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads. In the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. I invite you to repent and believe. If you're not a Christian and you know it, then once more, God is extending his love and mercy and grace toward you and inviting you into the kingdom once more. Will you believe? Maybe there's something you're holding on to. Maybe there's someone you're holding on to. I don't know your heart, and as much as I love you, I don't want to know your heart. My own heart is uh, enough sin to deal with. But I know this, that Jesus, so good, so kind, Jesus uh, will not wait forever. 
He is passing by. And he's giving you an opportunity to enter his kingdom. And I implore you, as an ambassador of Christ, be reconciled to God. Get on the right path. We all know that we've sinned. We all know we need a Savior. But that Savior is also our Lord. And so to all of us, even those of us that have professed the Lord for a long time, we also are in need of repentance and faith. You don't repent once and believe once. It is a lifestyle. Our repentance gets deeper and our faith gets stronger. God has spoken to you today through his word and his spirit. And he's touched areas of your heart. And he said to you, that thing's got to go. That person's got to go. That relationship is toxic. You're You're loving the world too much. You're not surrendering in this area. God is speaking to you, to his people today. And the kingdom is at hand. The time is now for you to repent and believe. Will you repent and believe? Later is a no. Maybe is a no. The only thing that is not a no is a yes. Surrender your will now. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. The kingdom has a king, and his name is Jesus. And the king is calling you in. And if you know the king, the king is calling you in to something deeper and richer and better. But it requires your ongoing repentance and faith. Bow the knee. I'd like to invite who would ever like to come forward, to come forward and literally bow the knee. You want to profess your loyalty to Jesus Christ, you can come forward and and bow the knee. Lord, I'm a surrendered Christian. I want to repent of areas in my life that might not be right. I want to have a a deeper repentance. I want a, a richer faith. I want to live a kingdom life. I want to publicly acknowledge Lord Jesus that you are my king. Jesus, we thank you that you came preaching glad tidings. I thank you that the path of freedom is the path of submission. I thank you that the path to victory is the path 
of surrender. I thank you, Lord, that in your grace, you have intervened in our lives and you have said to each one of us, that's the wrong way. Turn around. Trust me and walk in my way. What a grace. What a mercy. I pray, dear Jesus, for a deeper manifestation of your kingdom life in us. Lord, as we study your teachings in the Gospels, help us to understand the mysteries of your kingdom. Help us understand what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus and not just a professing Christian.